uh, from Give the Word Ministries. Rob and Ryan have been working together in Give the Word for over eight years that you guys have both been together. We've had Ryan come speak at the church many times in the last number of years. We've been supporting Give the Word for a bunch of years as a church, and so we're very thankful to have Rob here. He, t- he tells me I look like my brother, so if, if he's listening, then that's great. He'd never met before, and he said, I, I think I know who you are. Be- people say that more often than not. So anyway, Rob, thank you very much, and I'll hand the mic over to you. Thank you, Dwayne. His brother Stan, I thought he was his brother Stan. And yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's an insult or what. I'm, I'm very sorry. So <laughs> it's not, it's not. So that story about the farmer, what's, what's, the, what's the conclusion? Listen to farmers. Listen to farmers. Is that what you were getting after? Are you a farmer? No. Oh, okay. No kidding. Wow, you know, this is a, such an honor to be here. I thank you for the invite. I had coffee with Paul a couple of weeks ago, and we have a lot in common, kind of parallel stories, but I'm a bit older. I'm ten years, probably 10 years older than Paul, uh, and uh, so we're, I'm just so happy to be here. Uh, good to see some familiar... I didn't realize, I forgot that the Yoders were here. Carlin has done some pretty good, uh, you know, things for me. I'm sure he has done some pretty good things for you as well. Maybe maintain the church a little. I have no idea. But, uh, and of Trent, Trent uh, played drums for me uh, a long time ago. That was going some, I can't do the math, 16 years ago. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to be here. And uh, we've, yeah, as you know, we've, we've given, uh, you know, scriptures to your causes and you've supported us. And it's been such an honor uh, to have that relationship with you guys here um, so I'm Rob Weeb. I'm with, like uh, Dwayne said, I've been with Give the Word for over eight years. Before I was with Give the Word, I was with CHVN Radio. I, that's where I met Ryan, and I interviewed him. And after hearing all these amazing stories, he uh, and getting to know me during the commercial breaks, he says, um, you're, you're just about as crazy as I am. You want to join me? And I said, Yeah. And so uh, we've been together ever since, and the journeys that we have been on are, are amazing. Uh, the, the journeys that we've received in the form of story are even more amazing, and they come by the dozens by the month. And so I'll be sharing just two of them in a, in a little bit. And um, so, yeah, if, if you are here today and you're not familiar with us, uh, we raise money so that we can purchase Bibles to give them away. Very simple formula. Raise funds, purchase Bibles, give them away. That's, that's, that's very simple. Uh, I'm from Blumenort. Um, I've, we've lived there for 11 years. I was a youth pastor and a blue-collar guy in Winnipeg for 40 years. And um, when I joined CHVN Radio, right in the middle of my tenure there, we moved to Blumenort. Why Blumenort, you may ask? I ask that myself every day. So I went to Bible College at Steinbeck Bible College for one year, count it, one year. And I have, I'm one of those people that have a very, very oversensitive smeller. And so I didn't do so well coming to Bible College in Steinbeck. I would drive down into the country here and I'd be like, you know, I, I, and, and you know what, my roommates, they were laughing because they're farmers. And um, I told them, guys, I swear 
that I will never live in a place like Blumenort because we go down the 311 and I'd be like, like that. And, and you know what? Lo and behold, be careful what you tell God you're not going to do because he has a sense of humor. But we have been part of Blumenort Church for 11 years now. We love it. Um, they're our family. They're our friends. They're our network. They, they support us. We've been missionaries with them for about eight years now when we joined Give the Word. And uh, we love the fact that we have such a strong base. They send their greetings, by the way. Thank you for allowing me to do this. So, it's so important that we raise these funds to purchase Bibles so we can give them away. To those who need to hear the gospel of Jesus so desperately. So who is that? Everyone, right? And we need reminding as Christians why we do that. So that's why I'm going to talk to you as if you're hearing the gospel for the first time. Because I know myself, my wife knows me even better, and I do need reminding of very important things on a regular basis. And you know what? We need Jesus like we need air to breathe. We need reminding, we need fellowship, and we need prayer. We need to be prayed for, and we need to do more praying for others and ourselves, but mostly for what? So that we can have this communication with God our Father. It's about the relationship. It's about the vertical relationship so we can have these horizontal relationships with people on earth. And so that's why, that, why we do what we do. You know, to get to know the Father who is our creator of the universe, the one who aligns the stars, who tells the oceans where to stop, he tells the sun when to set and when to awake, he even, he even tells gravity how to work, and he keeps it working. Without him, we're nothing. And so we as a ministry at Give the Word, we want to introduce people to that the Creator, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the risen Savior of the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that people can be saved from themselves and from the tyranny that awaits them. Now that's pretty strong envisioning, but you know, he gives joy and he gives peace as well. And this joy and peace, while we're at it, he gives the rest of the fruits of the Spirit as well, correct? He provides our needs and he walks with us in every hour and every minute of every day and night. To know him is to love him. To walk with him is to know his peace. We can say what, that we're a believer and we love others, but such a tall order does not come so easy when we make this dedication, when we make this promise to God, when we accept him as Lord. But man, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Because that's what all this is based upon. How powerful how loving and graceful he is to us. If you look at the woman at the well, Jesus showed her true grace and love. How did he do it? By telling her the truth in love. How many of you have been told the truth in kind of a brutal way before? You know, you, you've heard that saying, oh, the truth hurts, right? Toughen up, get used to it. Ouch. I don't think that's what Christ had in mind. And as, as I speak today, you're going to realize very quickly that I'm not a preacher or, or a pastor. Uh, I'm not going to present a sermon by way, uh, by, by way of some exegetical delivery that a pastor or preacher would do. 
That is not in my wheelhouse even. Um, I'm a voice actor. I love to sing. Uh, I, I, you know, I would like to say that I do Bibles on the side, but it's the opposite. And so I get to have fun in a studio. Thank you, Carlin. And uh, that uh, someone built for me in, in my basement. And I use it just about, well, several times a week. But what you will hear today is testimonies of God, God's goodness, his redemptive power, and more about his grace. So let's focus uh, on last week's sermon title for a second. Do you believe I'm able to do this? I was watching a little bit last week's, uh, last week's sermon. For the past two weeks, you were, you were reading from Matthew 9. And, and I have a story about um, what God is able to do. And that's a personal story. But you know what? God loves us to the point that I believe that is miraculous in different miraculous ways. Not only does he save us from ourselves, he adds the bonus of his power to our lives. And I think that is such an incredible bonus. He's waiting for our heart's full submission, but knows full well that the human fact, that, that it's a process. He lived that process as a human being on earth. I've lived in shame of many varieties, but one of the biggest ones that I struggle with is simply belief. Well, okay, that's what our lives are based on. That's what our relationship is based on with Jesus. Belief. But, you know, I, I, so this, this story that I'm going to share is, is, is a rather personal one. Many years when I was a youth sponsor for my old church in Winnipeg, um, we were going to go do a, an event. And so we were going to go to UGM or I, I, I forget what the food, uh, the, the food one is. Winnipeg Harvest. That's exactly where we were going. And so while we were waiting for all the youth to get there, I was in charge of the boys, and, and they're rowdy. And I was maybe, you know, rowdy with them, I guess. And while we were waiting, I lifted one boy on my shoulder like this, and I lifted another boy on my shoulder like this. And I started, okay, guys, we're going to go for a ride, so we're going for a ride. And I'm like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't a good idea. So I planted my foot, and there goes my knee. My knee was totally blown out. All three ligaments, I was out for a year and a half before I got the operation. I'm also type 1 diabetic, so things heal quite slowly as a diabetic. So it took extra long. By the time I had, I had the operation and got back to work, it was just over two years. Um, years later, so that was when I worked at a factory in, in Winnipeg. And so we moved to Blumenort. This is after the fact that I had uh, joined Give the Word already. And so I had, uh, we had a local farmer who that we got fresh eggs from, um, just off the 311 here, by the way. And so my knee was acting up. I had, I had tweaked it so that, like, even the doctor said, well, in five years, you're going to need to probably get this operation again. I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty bleak. So one Saturday morning, I'm going to get these eggs, but I can't even put weight on my knee. I can't. You know, I, I feel it letting go again. That same feeling that, that, that when the event happened, that pain was coming back. I could feel them tearing. I just, I'm like, oh, I'm done. I, I couldn't even put weight on it. I was dragging my leg. So I get to this farmer's uh, farm, and, and it's pouring rain, first of all. He was in the middle of, of cleaning the barn, so he's nice and full of stuff, and he comes to me and he says, Rob, what, what's going on? Like, sit down. You, you shouldn't even walk. I'm like, no, I, I can't. I, he goes, I'll get your eggs. I'll get your eggs. So he comes back, gets the eggs, puts them in my car. 
And he pulls me out of the car. He says, now step out here. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? He goes, we're going to pray. But it's pouring rain. That's fine. We're going to pray. So Weebs is the last name, by the way. So being from the traditional Mennonite ways, you know, faith healing was not a thing for me. I believed in who Jesus was. I believed in God. I believed all the traditional stuff. But when it came to healing, you know, I'm, that's out of my wheelhouse. That's, you know, that's, that's not who, you know, God's not going to do that for me. And he goes, but do you believe? And I said, yes, I do. And he goes, now's the time to let go of everything and to believe it in this moment because I'm going to pray for you now. And I'm like, again, now my traditions are all going through my head and in my heart. And now I'm being challenged. And I, I closed my eyes. I said, God, you're in charge. I'm not. I've tried to be in charge for so long. I've tried to have my own way. But here we are. And you are who you say you are. I know that. So I'm, and I'm saying this. This guy's already praying. And I'm saying this to God as, as we're praying. He prayed for about two and a half minutes. His hands got hot. Like, what's with that? I mean, he's, he's really pressing, and I'm, I, I, he wasn't pressing that much. But the pressure on my knee was tremendous. The heat was tremendous. And I'm like, <laughs> there's something funny going on here. I'm just going to go with it. So he says, amen, and then he, he gets up off of his knees, by the way, in the rain, and he steps back and he goes, as if, there you go, there's your brand new car. And so I'm leaning on my left leg because I'm afraid of what's happening. And so I just go like this. And he goes, no, Rob, step on your right leg. So I'm like, ooh, little sharp pain. Ooh. Huh. And he goes, Rob, your knee is brand new. And I thought, no, you're jumping ahead of yourself, man. And then I could go like this. And I looked at him and I said, are you kidding me? It was within 30 seconds, folks. This old traditional Mennonite boy that didn't believe in, in faith healing was healed. How do you accept that? How do you explain that? You don't. All you do is you praise God because there's no way in this world that I was going to let that happen in the way of my old thinking, the way I thought before, the way of where my heart was. And so I hopped on my right leg around him, praising God, and he's, both his hands were straight in the air. And the tears that came from my soul were uncontrollable. When I think about this story right now, it gets me going. So what did he do? He healed, my, he healed my leg. Yes, now I can get back to work. No, 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 Rob. What about all that doubt that you were carrying with you? See, what God did that day were two things. Healed my knee, and he healed my heart of doubt. When it comes to who he is, nothing is impossible. And you hear that. That's kind of almost a cliche in the Christian circles. Nothing is impossible with God. There's lots of songs about that. Kids, kids songs too. VeggieTales, etc. You know, nothing is impossible with God. But what he did for me that day is completely miraculous. 
and the doubt that, in my, that, that I used to carry in my heart is gone. I have the, those days still where I wake up and I don't feel like being a Christian. But then, you know, thanks to my family and my kids, and by the way, this is my daughter, Cassandra. She's my, my travel buddy, and she helps me set up and stuff when I go speaking places. Um, how God uses them in my life is also something that God uses to hold me accountable and to remind me, ah, Rob, look at my grace. Look at what I've done for you. He's not a God that brags to about himself, but I want to brag about God. That's, that's why I exist. I want to make Jesus known. And so that's one of the reasons that, that I stay with Give the Word. It's such a pleasure to be with Give the Word. And um, if you're dealing with doubt or, you know, you feel condemned about your, your own sin or whatever it is, um, I want to sing you a song. It's called Forgiven and Loved by Jimmy Needham. And I'll get the music rolled up right now, and we'll sing a little song for you. Maybe you've heard this song before. Tell me I'm forgiven and loved Cause I hear it from the street corner priest On how God is love and how man can be clean But my joy has been on holiday And my peace has almost passed away Tell me I'm forgiven and free well, I tried and tried to rectify my hopeless situation, but I bought the lies, still have work to do. Now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation, but there is no condemnation in you. No. Whisper to me now that it's for real. Whoa, cause in the silence of these walls, righteousness lost its appeal. Dirty deeds have done me in, but that can't stop the faithful friend giving mercy once again as you heal. Here it is, I'm feeling. Whoa. Whoa, well I tried and tried to rectify my hopeless situation But I bought the lie, I still have work to do Now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation But there is no condemnation Well he died, he died to rectify my hopeless situation but his blood commands my guilt to leave. Now on Calvary I stand, empty pockets, open hands, but there is no condemnation for me. Oh, oh, I tried. Well, I tried and tried to rectify 
might hope the situation, but I bought the lie, I still have work to do. Now I'm working nine to five like I can earn my own salvation, but there is no condemnation in you. Child, you're forgiven and loved. Child, you're forgiven and loved. Child, you're forgiven and child, you are loved. Child, you're forgiven and loved. You're forgiven and loved. Amen. Amen. You're very welcome. You know, in Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Believe it. That's all you have to do. Believe it. Claim it. Receive it. And remember that it's a merciful gift. That's, it's, it's, it's almost like a trap. Okay, this, this, ain't, this isn't real. Like the song said, how can this be real? But it is. And I love that. You know, part of believing that he is able to do this means that we need to get our boots a little dirty sometimes. We need to walk in it. And so that's why I'm here today. You guys know, give us, give the word, you know us. You know what we do. And so I want to read some scripture, Matthew 22, 36 to 40. It's a reference for the battle of the soul. And our job as Christians is to love as Christ loved, to make disciples of all nations and more. But it is revealed in the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, there are many ways in which we can serve in the name of Jesus. There's no arguing what Christ has done for me and for you, and, and it's, it's the greatest thing in history and time and space but how does one get to the point of practicing these things? From our parents, uh, do, do, we, do we learn all the things that we need to learn from Bible college? Do we learn all the things that we need to know from, from, from church or from our parents, from our families? We learn a lot. We learn a lot. We learn a ton from his word. That is communion with God when we're praying to, to God and we're spending time with our Father and reading his word. Someone once, once told me, because I was, I was struggling with doubt, I said, I need to hear him audibly. And you know what they told me? Well, then read it out loud. Huh. Interesting. So are we telling people the truth in love? Or are we slamming them with the truth hurts? You know, I've been hit with the truth a number of times. And I want to tell you a story about a, a guy named Mark. This is back when Give the Word first started. And Ryan was in a, in a, a, a financial institute mall. There was a, a mall there. And one was a, a bank. And then there was this financial insurance place, some sort of investment place. And his father-in-law worked there. And the owner of the building was there when Ryan was just beginning this, this, this uh, give the word journey. And Ryan is like, you know, okay, Dad, I, we're starting a ministry. And his father-in-law is like, well, 
the owner of the building here is here. He wants to talk to you. And so the guy said, I heard you're starting some sort of Bible ministry. We've got a brand new warehouse and a brand new office. Just have it. And so that was a blessing. But we're going to talk about Mark. Mark walked into this financial institute. And this was a few months later. Ryan already had to give the word on the window, on the door. And so Mark was investing, doing whatever, building his portfolio. And he says, do you have a restroom that I can borrow? Certainly, it's down the hall. Well, he passes, give the word, and he stops. He goes, give the word? Is that what I think it is? He asked the gentleman, and the guy said, yeah, yeah. He goes, can I, can I go in? Yeah, go on in. So he opens the door, and there's Ryan with Bibles floor to ceiling, and there's, like, no room because there's so many Bibles. And the guy goes, are you kidding me? These are all Bibles? Yeah, those are all Bibles. Wow. Can, like, is, are they for sale? No, man, you can have one. If you know Ryan, that's how he talked. Hey, man. So Mark takes a Bible, goes on his way. Three weeks later, he calls Ryan and he says, um, I got a problem. Can we meet for coffee? Yeah, yeah, sure. A couple of days later, Ryan meets him for coffee. Maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't. Mark sits him down and says, I read that Bible that you gave me, that New Testament. I read it from cover to cover. Ryan's like, who reads the Bible in three weeks, first of all? So Mark said, I read it from cover to cover, and the only conclusion that I could come to is that I needed to become a Christian and to follow Jesus and follow this guy. He says, but I got a problem with you Christians. And he says, but now I'm pointing at myself because I am one too. He says, I've worked at the same office that I work at. I've worked there for, for 14 years. And I went back to work and I said, hey, I'm a Christian. Guess what happened? Nine people came forward and said, hey, I'm a Christian too. 14 years. Are you kidding me? He says, I got a problem with that. If this is the greatest story in the universe that's true, how come nine Christians didn't tell me that they're Christians, that they didn't tell me about Jesus? All it would have taken is, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Have you heard about Jesus? That's all. But you know what the worst thing happens to us as Christians? People say, no, I don't want to hear about it. That, in North America, that's, you know, there's other forms of persecution that people are going around, you know, like that are experiencing in the world. We have no clue what that is. But Mark came to Ryan and said, I got a problem with Christians because this is the greatest thing in the universe. Why are you guys so quiet? Ryan says, I, you got me. Why? Because that's why we exist. That's why we exist. And Ryan checks in with this guy still once in a while. And, yeah, thriving. I like that word, thriving. I think that needs to be our theme always. There's lots of things, there's lots of walls and roadblocks that, that, that the enemy sets for us, right? He sets traps, and he wants us to fail, and he wants us to be depressed, and he wants our health to be declined, and he wants us to focus on that. He wants us to focus on our problems. But when we focus on Jesus, who are we like, man? We are like people walking on the water. But when we, lo when we lose focus on who Jesus is, we start to sink. We become very inward. And when I started with, with Ryan eight years ago, I was that person. Ryan saw potential in me. Maybe God did that, I, I would say. 
And ever since then, it has been quite a journey, quite a fight. But we never want to undermine the power of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. And we want to make disciples of all nations. We want to, but, and discipleship is important, but it starts with evangelism. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important balance. We need both. But how do you do evangelism when, the, when, when maybe you're introverted to the point where it hurts? Or maybe you're too shy, or maybe you're too busy. But you know what it can start with? It can start with taking a Bible and saying, hey, this, this, this book changed my life. You want to read it? That method for me, as a shy extrovert, if that makes sense, because I am, I'm, I'm nervous about my faith. I don't feel confident about who, you know, how I, I bring forward God into, you know, to people. But if you're willing, that's the whole thing. God will use whatever you have to give him. And as awkward as it is, he will use that and make it a beautiful thing. Another story that I have, um, we're going to call him Tim. Any Tims in the house? Sorry. Okay, so there's, there's no Tims here. Okay, good. This is a true story. Tim was a student at one of our Bible challenges at one of the churches that we were at. And we, we, we had a lot of Bibles. There was like 120 people in the, in, the, in the congregation. But we had like 400 Bibles with us. And they really wanted to be challenged. We were like, okay, we're going we're to bring it. We, we brought a whole crew of Bibles. And, and this one student comes up and he says to us later, you know, can I take five Bibles? Like, yeah, yeah, I take five Bibles. And, and when we give a Bible challenge, we try to put a time frame on it. Because what happens with Bibles that you get from the MCC's thrift store? Oh, I'm just going to put it on my giveaway shelf. Two years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that Bible that I said I was going to give away. I, I think that's why we put, it, we put a time frame on it. it and I want to challenge you later, but a two-week period is, is a good, healthy portion of time for you to force yourself to do it no matter what. Because at the end of two weeks, perhaps it wasn't the most ideal time. You couldn't plan it properly. You know why that's good? Because it's all about God. It's not about your plans. It's about God's plans. And this young man, Tim, took five Bibles and he says, I'm going to give them away in two weeks. Okay. Okay, man, you give them away in two weeks. He had given four away. This was the Friday before the, la the next Sunday that he was to account for what happened with those Bibles? The, the, we, we set it up so the pastors keep you accountable for that sort of thing. So beware. Paul? So Tim had given away four Bibles. This was the Friday. He was a university student. And he was taking a bus, and he had to make the switch down, downtown Winnipeg in front of the MTS Center. And so Tim was so excited. He's like, oh, Lord, I've, I've got one Bible left. It's in my backpack. I'm going to give it to the next person I see. The next person he saw was this homeless man grumbling and talking to himself and picking up cigarette butts and kind of storing them in his pocket. And Tim said, Lord, really? I can smell that guy from here. And he bemoaned that moment. And he said, okay, God, obedience is what it's about. He had to bend down with the Bible. He said, sir, would, can I give you this Bible? Bible? 
what do I want a Bible for? And he just, he went up one side of him, down the other, tore him right to pieces. Curse words in the whole nine yards. And Tim was like this the whole time. But you know what Tim did right after that? After the man was done cursing him out, he said, sir, having said all that, would you like this Bible? Courage. He goes, well, what am I going to do with the Bible? I'm homeless. You know what? Maybe I'll just, here, give me that Bible. I'm going to throw No, don't throw it away, sir. Don't throw it away. Maybe leave it somewhere or give it to someone, someone else if you don't want it. So where that conversation took place was in front of the MTS Center, where the, well, it's called something else now, uh, Canada Life Center, where the Jets play. That was in late November. In late January, the following, like three month, couple of months later, we get a phone call. And this man is sobbing. He's a middle-aged man, about, you know, 50-ish. And he said, is this give the word? Yeah. Yeah, what, what's, what's going on? How come you're crying? He goes, I got a bit of a story. Um, I was meeting my friends at a Winnipeg Jets game. And unbeknownst to them, my bags were packed in my trunk. I was going to leave my wife and kids for someone that I had been having an affair with in southern Ontario. And after the game, I was to leave straight from the game without telling my family. But on the way to the game, I was yelling at God at the top of my lungs in my car, if you are who you say you are and you are real, then I want you to tell me tonight or else I'm done, I'm gone. Second intermission of the game, this man goes into the stall in the bathroom and he's weeping, almost audibly. Of course, the bathroom is full of men and he's like, I don't want to... And he looks down, leaning on the wall is a thirst quencher New Testament. And he opens it up and he immediately knows that it's a Bible. And he says, are you serious? The intervention had taken place. Somehow, that Bible that that homeless man, this is what I believe anyway, somehow this Bible that this homeless man took out of the, Tim's hands, was almost going to throw it out, somehow made its way into the, into the arena, and somehow made its way up into the second level, and somehow made it into the bathroom stall for that very moment. <laughs> you can't tell me that that's not God. This man went straight from the hockey game to his home to reveal everything to his wife. It was very, it was very, uh, uh, it was a terrible time. But to this day, they are together, counseling the whole nine yards, and they attend church. And as awkward as Tim felt about that moment, the beautiful thing is, is that, but God, right? So the next time you feel awkward or ill-equipped or ill-trained, or you, it's, I, it's just me, I can't do something like that. Oh, yes, you can. Just let God do it. No, actually, you can't. But be willing, so God can. You know, and I relate this to a story 
about the heart of a musician. And maybe you've heard this before. Uh, I think it was Ravi Zacharias that used to, used to share this, but it's the story that, that counts. As a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at the graveside service of a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a proper cemetery in Kentucky, in the backcountry. As I was not familiar with those woods, I, uh, I got lost, and I finally arrived an hour late, and so the funeral guy was evidently gone. Not even the hearse was in sight. Only the diggers and crew were left and were eating lunch. I felt bad, and I apologized to the men for being late. I went to the side of the grave, and I looked down and saw that the vault was already in place, and I, I didn't know what else to do, so I began to play my bagpipes. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I, I played my heart out for this man with no family and no friends. I played like I'd never played before for this homeless man. As I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept, and that caused me to start weeping. We all wept together as I played. When I finished, I packed, my, packed up my bagpipes and I started for my car. My head was hung low, but my heart was full. I had done something for the kingdom. And as I opened the car door, I heard one of the workers say, I've never seen anything like that before, and I've been installing septic tanks for 20 years. Oops. Point being, there's nothing like bringing the wrong message at the wrong time, at the wrong place, and being profoundly moved, only to find out it was the wrong subject, the wrong audience, and the wrong event. What does that prove, though? What happened to those diggers' hearts? They were deeply moved. It's the willingness that counts. Where is your heart at when it comes to serving God? Are you willing? Are you willing to be a conduit? Are you willing to be Tim? Are you willing to be that bagpipe player? No matter how small you feel, if you believe you ruined an opportunity or fell short when you thought you were going to be used to bring this person or that person to the kingdom, and it was nothing as far as you were concerned, just remember, but God. But God. The beauty of God is everywhere. And I want to sing one more song, How Great Thou Art. It's kind of a Randy Travis version of it. I'm actually not a huge fan of country music, but I can't help but love this song. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awe some wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my 
get a little messy in the name of Jesus for his sake. Please don't sell yourself short. I understand we're all gifted differently. But we have Christ in us to do what we can't do. We have Christ in us so he can use us to do something that we might not have done in the first place or be comfortable to do. 
We have been treated so generously by, by God who has been so patient and full of grace with us that we have this opportunity today. And so if you would like to take this Bible challenge from me, I ask that you would take as many Bibles as you need from the table in the back. And I ask that you would share the word with somebody by simply saying even this Bible, this book changed my life. You want to read it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so full of power. We can't fathom how powerful you are. You created the heavens and the earth by your word. And in a moment, you created us. You created everything around us. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. To show us, firstly, that, that you love us and how powerful you are. And then you raised him from the dead to show us how merciful you are. And so we thank you for that. We get to live this life knowing all this. Help us to share it with those who don't know you. Help us to help others discover the beauty of your spirit that is hidden in your word. But help us not to hide that in our lives. Because the world needs to know. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Rob. Um, I, I think